Hey everyone, this is the Recourse Podcast, and I'm your host, TA. I'm so excited for you to join me today as this is the last episode of season two, and I'm joined in the library with my friend, Brenda Benson, and she's going to be talking about the healing that happened in her marriage. So many times on the Recourse Podcast, we talk about uh, the difficult situations that we go through and the help that we find. Brenda has a unique story in that there is hope and there is joy and there is a wonderful outcome, but during her difficult time, she spent a lot of time internally and alone. And so I think there's going to be a lot of people who relate to her story. So I'm really excited for you to listen. So let's jump right in with Brenda. I tend to always start the podcast with the question, how do we know each other? You want to start there? Sure. Um, so... We met through Radiant. We did. <laughs> I feel like I knew your face before I knew your name. Like definitely from church, you kind of recognize kind of the people in the, I see you on a Sunday or Wednesday or something. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, or somebody like, do you know who Brenda is? And I'll be like, mm, maybe by face. And then it kind of connected when we started this group. Yes. Do you want to explain what radiance is? I'm sure a lot of people don't know what that means. Absolutely. And I also want to say, I knew your kids long before I knew you. (laughs) Now that I get all the time. (laughs) Everybody knows Avi. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Him in particular. We love that though. Yes. Yes. He's so joyful. Yes. Love him. Yeah. Um, No. So it is a radiance, a women's conference. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just really to help women with their walk with the Lord. And, um, this year in particular, it's, you know, about joy. Yeah. I'm so excited for this year. It's an offshoot. Our friend, our mutual friend, Trisha, who was actually the very first person to ever sit on the podcast and talk about, she wrote a Bible study called audience of one. And she spoke about that on the podcast. And then from that, she's kind of created this umbrella ministry. Mm -hmm. And out of that ministry was birthed this conference that you and I have been lucky enough to kind of sit on the board of and kind of just help birth, which feels very interesting to me of like to be at that ground level of a ministry or any business and organization. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's been really fun to see the change from the first year to now the second year. And it's just a really beautiful ministry. And as women, we tend not to take time for ourselves or to be filled back up. And I, I just really feel like it does a good job of filling women up yeah. when they attend. And Well, you seem to have a really good gift in this way to be on the board. You seem to be very um, equipped with details. Like you are a good detail-oriented <laughs> person. And there's a couple of us, and I will totally throw my hat in this circle. I am a big picture person, like the big dreamer, the big like, oh, all this will just come together. And so I can find myself as we're talking I think like this last time when we were meeting as a group, I know I hit a wall at one point because in my head I was like, it'll just, it's fine. We're going to get there. And we were very much in the details of getting the ticket stuff. And I just remember feeling like, oh, this is not my wheelhouse. And I feel like this is, you are so good with numbers and money and, and detail stuff. Is that true? Uh, I don't know. I, I think we're all a little critical of ourselves. Um, I think it's a really great team. Mm-hmm. working on this and I think we all bring our gifts mm-hmm. and uh I've really enjoyed being part of the food aspect something I really yeah. enjoy yeah. <laughs> but yeah no it's fun to be more behind the scenes and the details piece of it and just the practical budget yeah well it seems like you are drawing from a well you 
Would you consider yourself an entrepreneur? What you do for work? Is it? Be, did you guys start this business um, with your husband from the ground up, or was this kind of? How did you land in this space where you are for work right now? Yeah. Uh, so by accident. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like most people. For sure. Um, no. So I am a real estate broker. Mm -hmm. And yes, my husband and I do work together every day and have for approximately the last 14, 15 years. And we started out just kind of with a, a group of friends, each investing in our own properties, own yeah. rental properties, and then became accidental landlords and started managing for other people. And it became a legitimate actual company yeah. <laughs> shortly after. Yeah. So, you know, like most people by accident. Yeah. But I feel like that, like I said, it falls into a lot of your skill set too. Like, I feel like you, like in my brain from the outside looking in to be successful at that, which you have been, it's like, you have to be very detail oriented, very organized, very thoughtful and planned. And like I said, I don't know that that would be my strength. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I swing both ways. Do you? I, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. feel like some days I wake up and I'm like, all right, let's really let's just plan for the entire year and let's sure. plan, plan, plan. And then other days I'm like, yeah, all right, which way are we going? <laughs> so I do, I know I swing, but okay. I do like the details of things. Well, and maybe that's a good balance. Yeah. Like, you know, if you get too overwhelmed with one, then you can spend a day with the, like, yeah, I can, I can totally see that as well. So tell me what's life like working with your spouse. That's not a space a lot of us live in. It's It's been uh, a process. Mm -hmm. um, so when we first started out, we both quit our jobs <laughs> <laughs> within six months of one another. Okay. And that was like, all right, let's go. Um, hindsight, that was a poor decision <laughs> because that was in 2008. And we oh, had, yeah. um, I left my job at a bank when I was pregnant with our fourth child. And I gave my nine-month notice. <laughs> and <laughs> shortly after that, he gave his notice for his job, too. And what was he doing at that time? Um, he was working for a builder. Okay. And just kind of a sales role, I suppose. Sure, but his background was kind of in that same world of housing and development construction. Yeah. So there wasn't yep. a... You know, he was working out on a golf course or something that's right. totally in a different field and world. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Kind of a a transition that made sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when we had our fourth <clears throat> fourth child, um, I definitely dealt with some postpartum depression that I didn't expect. Sure. Didn't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a job. Um, Which, un like, um, I feel, I, I always feel like most people be like, that's a good thing. But there is so much to be said about having structure and yes. having like a consistency and an outlet that, you know, there's a push pull in that too. But Absolutely. Yeah, when you say that, I think some people would naturally be like, well, that's lucky you didn't have a job and all this right. stress. And yet at the same time, I think sometimes that's worse because you don't have. Yeah. yeah. And it, especially for me, because I am kind of the person that does like the plan. Yeah. I like to know okay. consistency. Um, no surprises, those type that's that's my personality. Uh which <clears throat> self employment in general does not offer that for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely didn't expect the postpartum depression and, yeah. and everything that went along with that. And it was oh eight and the housing market. I was like, is that I didn't expect that yeah, as well. <laughs> started crashing. Was it in oh eight into oh nine that the housing market really went under? Or was it 
Um, well, actually, it was 2007 to be okay. a little bit more yeah. precise. Um, and then it was like kind of things were still yeah kind of covered. Yeah. Had you had any postpartum with any of your other kids? Yes. Or was this, okay, so you yeah. had some experience with it before, but this was still yeah a struggle. Yeah, um, I did with my third baby as well. Okay. So the one right before her. So I don't know why it was so unexpected. Other than we just, and you don't, you don't plan for that. No, you don't. And I think you also, you had two, if you didn't have severe or had any big issues or didn't have that um, emotional journey with the first two, you could almost maybe write the third one off as a one-off. Yeah. Not, like, which is not what a I pattern, did. Yep. Right. And so then when you have your fourth and it comes back. Yeah. Can you explain to me what that looked like for you? Cause that can look yeah. so different for people. Um, so for me, the big thing was I was, I couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. I, I was just emotions mm -hmm. all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, I totally focused on taking care of my kids, which is <laughs> I think probably any new mother, yeah. but to an extreme. Sure. Um, I shut everybody and everything else out of my life. Yeah. I was just all about my kids and taking care of them and shutting people out that included my husband. Sure. So at that point you weren't, it, the ability to ask for help or even recognizing you yep. needed help. I not didn't, I knew I was unhappy. I knew there was something wrong, mm -hmm. but I didn't have the ability at that point to ask for help. Sure. He knew there was something wrong. He just <laughs> didn't know what to do with me. And it was very similar both times where it was just a get out of my way. Yeah. Um, and yeah. What were the age ranges top to bottom for your kids? Oh, so let's see. Oldest would have been nine. Oofed. Seven-ish. Um, probably six and a half. And then, let's see, four. And then a newborn. Yeah. That's a variety of ages. And it, is. it is. It is. <laughs> like, and that's the hardest part, yeah. right? Like, I could maybe handle two. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I think that, and I think I really didn't. But <laughs> I think the best part about having two is always the ability to divide and conquer. Right. Once we had three, it was... You overwhelmed us. Yeah. No, it's his own defense at that point here. Yes. Just... <laughs> we were talking about football earlier. I love that. That's great. <laughs> yep. That's, that's my world. <laughs> I knew I liked you. <laughs> I love that. <clears throat> so you kind of hinted that this was a, a season that was starting for you and your husband to be difficult. Yes. Very. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So prior to... Um, this season for the most part, I mean, we obviously had our ups and downs. We were high school sweethearts. Um, we had been married for nine ish years at that point. You guys are Minnesota born and raised. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Lived in this area, still in this area. That's great. I think that's great. Um, and it really, it, it just tore us apart. And we laugh about it, kind of laugh about it now, <laughs> that we both wanted the same thing, but we didn't communicate. We just made assumptions about the yeah. other one. I was definitely pushing him away. Mm -hmm. He felt rejected, obviously, mm -hmm. and pushed me away, which made me feel rejected and push him even further and For build sure. a bigger wall. Yeah. And I just totally had the attitude of, fine, get out of my way. Yeah. I can do it myself. I don't need you. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. We chugged along in that place for a really long time. Sure. And it's now looking back, we're like, oh, why did we do that? Yeah. It's hard to look back and sometimes think about if we just had this communication skill or if we just had yes. this one conversation, we could have totally switched tracks, yep. right? And so we can't beat ourselves up over that. 
but I want you um, to ask and look at when when you got married, when you were in your marriage, what other people around you um, were, did you have role models? Did you have people that had marriages or good communication? Like, mm-hmm. were there people you were emulating? Like, you felt you were lacking that? What did sure. that look like for you? Well, my parents certainly had a good marriage, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. as, their, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as their child. They were married, um, I mean, over 50 years when my dad passed away. I mean, truly something to aspire to. Um, they were, I think good role models for us and for me and and Josh has always, since he came into my life, been close with my parents, Mm -hmm. but as their child, I didn't see the communication. Sure. It was not something that was anything modeled to us kids or in front of us kids. I don't know what went on behind closed doors mm-hmm. with them and their communication. It was kind of a, we don't talk about things in front of yep. kids or really anybody. Um, There's I'm, definitely a generational gap there. Yeah. Um, it's again, I always kind of attribute it to kind of the, the old school mentality of like, you don't need therapy kind right. of thing that kind of, yes. you just kind of bootstrap it, whatever. I think there was a lack of like you said, I think people, you could see people who had good marriages or had good relationships, but you couldn't see the tools that they were using exactly. to make it happen. And exactly. they weren't explaining that to us. And so I constantly feel that way when we talk about parenting or we talk about marriage. I can, now I can see mm-hmm. more of that. And I feel like I'm also constantly trying to dissect that. Like, why did that? Why didn't that? Why, you know, right. all of those things. And I know I always bring up about our parenting, the biggest thing for me that I feel like I changed from my parents and not that I'm trying to pick on my parents by any mean, sorry, mom, if you're listening, um, is (laughs) I felt like I got in trouble a lot for just doing what being me is what Mm -hmm. I would say. Like I just have a a louder personality or or rambunctiousness that as a child or whatever. And instead of being told, don't use that loud of a voice when we're inside somebody's home or when we're in a car or whatever versus mm-hmm. that's an outside voice versus an inside voice. It's just the explanation of why sure. what I'm doing is maybe not the best choice at this point. It became, I am wrong and I'm a bad kid because of that. And I couldn't always regulate or figure out why I was in trouble or if I, I could, I knew why they were mad at me, but I couldn't figure out why at this time were they mad at me, but they weren't mad at me this, like right. when I was outside playing with right. my friends, I was you know, that kind of thing. Yep. So that's why as a parent now, I feel like I'm constantly telling my kids, uh, uh-uh, and here's why. Yep. So like the, okay, I need you to make this choice at this time or in this way because, and I just, the rationale meant so much to me. Yep. Yep. For sure. And I wasn't attributing getting in trouble or being a bad person to, to, some arbitrary thing, which as kids we do, we just make assumptions about things. And I can see that in marriages too. We start making assumptions about our partner. Well, you're treating me this way at this time because of this thing, or I made mashed potatoes and you prefer baked potatoes and now you're in a crabby mood for us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It's those weird little nuanced things that can build, especially when we're not talking about them. It's so easy to forget. Mm-hmm. Nobody else knows what's in our head. Yeah. We just assume that, how could they think that differently? Yes. <laughs> how do you not know what I'm thinking? <laughs> so funny football reference. Um, 
my husband and I were, were horrible people and we watched TikTok. <laughs> Sorry to admit that. <laughs> no, but what we do is we'll watch TikTok and we save each other videos. And then we every day before we go to bed, we talk and we pray and do all that. But um, before we do that, we go through our TikToks and be like, here's the TikTok that I saved I for you today. That. It's really fun. It's just kind of a silly thing, yeah. and whatever. But he had brought up a TikTok uh, last night and it had Nick Saban in it. It was about Nick Saban and about Alabama getting into the college playoffs, which I'm really upset about, <laughs> especially because they have to play my team, Michigan. Oh. So I'm really mad about this. But I instantly made a comment, and I was really mad and crabby. But Matthew thought I was it was at him. And I was like, no, I'm just mad because you're showing me Nick Saban. And he was just like, I didn't. And I'm like, no, I'm not mad at you. I'm yeah. was like, but you really snapped. And I was like, I'm sorry. So was like, he just yes. didn't know what's going on in my yep. head and I didn't express it. Like, you should know I'm not yeah. mad at you. I'm mad at Nick Saban. <laughs> I feel like now I'm constantly telling my husband, okay, you got to remember, I'm a woman and it's never about just <laughs> one thing. thing. There are so many things going on in my head yeah. at any given moment. For sure. I've heard it said, and this was a while ago, but like men have a uh, railroad track brain. Like they, yeah. everything is kind of compartmentalized and on a singular track and they often can't get to the next train without finishing what was in the last one, like the right. one compartment to the next one. Whereas we're like spider webs. That one little fly touches this one corner and like this whole other side of the web will be activated and it's like, and now 15 other things are going on in my head. And that's, it drives my husband crazy because I'll do that. We'll be like, blah, 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 silence. And then all of a sudden I'm like, can you believe she said that? And he'll be like, what are you talking about? Where did that come from? Like, but obviously I went from this to this to this to this and I got to this part of the conversation and you didn't keep up and you are, you not think about what's going on in my brain. Did you not listen to the thousand words I just spewed out? Like, how did you not follow it? Right. He's just like, but we were talking about (laughs) Christmas. And I'm like, I don't care. Christmas means your sister, which means I was talking about your, like, like, all of these things. And he's like, I don't. It's not how my brain works. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to learn to communicate with somebody yes. so intimately and constantly when it's a moving target a lot of times. It really is. I, you maybe don't experience this as much with because you have some of that blessing of seeing your husband most of the time during the day. Right. I feel like when we, especially when I was working full time, it was like we would come together at the end of the day and we just had to unload all all of this experience onto mm-hmm. each other so that we could all be back on the same page. And right. we went multiple days without not processing he has no clue that yeah this one thing at work has really been weighing on me or mm-hmm. same thing for him like he can really disconnect when things aren't going well at work and if he's yeah. not processing that with me i can really attribute that to 50 other things that i'm doing or the kids are doing or, exactly you know what i mean so that sense of how important communication is in a marriage is yeah kind of almost scary when you think about it like how much you really need to stay on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. And like we talked about earlier, I picked an opposite as well as you did, (laughs) which makes it a little bit harder to, Mm -hmm. you have to be really intentional about remembering, okay, when I'm stressed out, I handle it by kind of just wanting to be alone, wanting to process with myself, wanting to, you know, take a break from social obligations. And I, I want the evening alone with a book (laughs) and he wants the exact opposite and we can easily get snippy with one another or like I have to remind him nope I I've had so many things and so many people this week I need an evening 
without leaving the house. Yeah, yeah. And I have to remember that he gets energized by being social and we, we have to find constant compromise and yeah. communication of a, okay, I've hit my emotional limit. I need a break. Yeah. And, I and that's okay. The hardest piece about being married to your opposite in doing that, I feel like I constantly want to do that for my spouse. Cause he's same. He's like you, he's an, he's an introverted he wants to be in all of that. And I'm the opposite. I'm the same thing. I want to go out and be a part and yep. do and, and like, I want to go on dates and even if it's just him yep. and I, I want to just be out, let's go out, whatever. And I can get myself in a lot of trouble because I can mentally tally, but no, we yeah. did these three things for you <laughs> and we've only done one thing for me. And so yep. it's like, I have to be careful that we don't tit for tat it. Like exactly. it's not a, that's not what marriage is either. Like we have to be equitable it's just sometimes there's seasons where yeah yep. we're spending a lot more time doing what you need because you need it. And yeah, it's okay that I'm, I can I can take the hit. And yeah. that's not an easy thing to do. It's not. because I'm a selfish person. <laughs> Simple, we all are. All in <laughs> selfish person. I'll be the first yep. to admit that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, which is why, um, I think we struggled so much in that time period is mm-hmm. because we were not walking with the Lord. Yeah, tell me about that time period. What was your relationship with like with Christ? What was your relationship with Christ before that? Like, sure. where were you guys? How did that look for your marriage? Yeah. So we uh, both were raised Catholic mm-hmm. and raised in the church. Um, when we became adults and had our own family, we were kind of a, we'll go if it's convenient. Sure. Um, I, For me personally, I don't remember a time not believing in God, but okay. I did not have a personal relationship with Jesus. I didn't understand that piece of it. Sure. Like having a broad knowledge of this is what I would yes. assume my, my family is connected to versus my personal convictions and depth and heart. Yes. And yes. Totally. Yes. We all, I think most Christians say they've been there like that. Yeah. <laughs> you have this big view of God and yep. then you have an intimate view of God exactly. and getting from there to there is the journey. Yep. Totally that. Okay. I know there's a God. I know there's a heaven. As long as I keep these 10 commandments, we're probably good. <laughs> so it's fine. I've been murdered today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, when things were tough, well, I kept the big ones. No murder, no adultery. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> good. <laughs> not, not a great understanding of that. Um, and my husband was definitely in the same spot. So definitely two sinners who were led by our flesh, hurting one another and, um, trying to raise kids and looking like huge hypocrites. Sure. Um, because we definitely wanted our kids to go to church and, you know, when it was convenient for us, of course. Of course. <laughs> and also I want the church to do all of the teaching. Well, obviously like, I like, didn't I want to do that. I'm not going to do that at home. <laughs> them take care of that. I actually never thought about that until, um, our church, I don't know if you were around when Michelle was the children's youth leader. No. She, um, this was probably about seven, eight years ago. She had started a program where the kids got these like memory boxes and different things. But I remember sitting in a meeting where she was talking about this. And one of the biggest things was she was just like, we really need to engage parents to be a part of the process. There was really just a culture of drop your kid off. Yeah. Teach my kid. Yeah. I'll take him home. But that's it. There's mm-hmm. no there was there was a disengagement of families expecting all religious knowledge to come just from yeah. Sunday morning or Wednesday night and to not have that and she's like, We need to help not not only engage them, but empower them. Yeah, like how for do we sure. help them with what can they talk about at dinners and what devotions can they read with their kids in the morning mm-hmm. and what ways can they 
you know, like move beyond just dropping them off at the door on Sunday morning. And I thought that was like, at first I was like, yeah, I mean, we were doing some of that in our own home, but it was like, I had not thought that through all the way of, of, oh, we need to be much more intentional about some of that. And I, like I said, I felt like we were doing a decent job, but I feel like we really stepped up our game in that sense that we do that way more and are much more engaged and also then taking ownership of it is my responsibility right. like and <laughs> since then <laughs> having learned that there are some people who are just so well-intentioned and wonderful people in our church but also maybe are sharing things that maybe aren't right the most biblical in right. the sense of, and not anti-biblical by any means but oh well maybe that's not quite right the way we interpreted that <laughs> so you know making sure that we are also putting in our viewpoint and our point of view and what we felt convicted by or whatever. But it's just interesting because I was like, yeah, I never, <laughs> I just assumed everybody was on the same page as me. <laughs> well, and yeah, I, w- I was kind of there too, even in my not walking with the Lord of a, everybody believes in God. Mm-hmm. Everybody tries to be a good person. Yep. Church, I'm, t- I'm dropping my kids off on Wednesday night. Check. That, yeah. that they'll be fine. Yeah. They'll learn morality, right? I don't have to. Yeah. And I agree with the Bible. So good. Yeah. They're going to learn the Bible. Yeah. But there's so much more nuance in that. And so it's like, oh. <laughs> and also, the, I think the other thing that was the first realization that I was like, oh, right. These people are not biblical scholars. Right. <laughs> Just like our friends yeah. from down the street, which are wonderful people and bless their hearts for helping our children and being a part of these ministries in such huge ways would never ever want to make anybody feel bad but but they're just as flawed as I yeah, am. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a big revelation for me. Yeah. And I totally stepped on your story. So you guys were you were talking about how at this point you were you were kind of checking mm-hmm. the boxes and yep. doing those just things. Going through the motions. Yeah. Nothing nothing deeper. What was the tipping point to make it to change that for you? Well, um we did have another child in there a year after the fourth, the fifth came, yeah. which um, at that point, then the division between my husband and I just grew deeper. Uh, we were living in the same house, two different lives. Yeah. I sure. was, you know, the mom mm-hmm. and he would come home and some days play with them and some days not have a ton of involvement. Mm-hmm. And we just lived parallel lives separately. Yeah. And, um, so we went on. An embarrassingly long time living like that, both just seething with pain and wounds and wounding each other deeper daily yeah. for 11 years. And then I hit my tipping point of a, I couldn't live like that anymore. Sure. Um, and I, of course, why would I talk to him about it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously. obviously. <laughs> But I, I actually made the best decision I've ever made, and I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior just because I was at my point where I couldn't go on. Sure. And I I couldn't go on doing it on my own or trying to do it on my own. And um, I'll never forget how it happened. I was driving home from dropping one of my kids off at their school, and I was alone. And I actually turned on KTIS and heard the song Make Me Broken, and it just struck a nerve because mm-hmm. I would swing between being completely numb and feeling nothing yeah. and being so broken and in so much pain I couldn't I couldn't function I had a ton of anxiety yeah. um, and I just knew things had to change and I 
So I pulled over because I was sobbing so hard and I gave my life over to the Lord and everything changed for me in that moment. Mm -hmm. And that was absolutely one of the hardest days of my life because Mm -hmm. that day I found out that my dad only had a few months to live. But God's timing in it. I mean, that probably, I don't don't know how I would have dealt with that news, which I knew was coming. Yeah. Was he sick at yes. that point? Yes, yeah. so, he had cancer, okay. and we knew it was terminal, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he had been doing so well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just feel like that was God's timing of a knowing I couldn't go on anymore, truly. And take the next step yep. and help him, and help, yeah. help, him, help mm-hmm. my mom, help my kids, all of it. Yeah, for sure. When you look at that season before you accepted Christ, you said, do you think other people were looking in on you and knew you no, were in that season? No, Or did you guys have that beautiful knew. mask? Nobody knew. Nobody. From the outside looking in, it looked perfect. Yeah. Or Would that make close it harder? To it. It pro- no, because I was at a point where I just, I didn't even have any pride left. I didn't mm-hmm. care. I was broken, yeah. and I didn't want to be anymore. Sure. And, I, of course, yeah. I didn't tell my husband what I had yeah. done or what I changed. Oh, wait on that one. <laughs> Hang on a second. Yeah. But again, just how the Lord works, um, the very next day, all of that would come out. Okay. So. Tell me about that day. Yeah. So, you know, living 11 years in not um, a good marriage, mm-hmm. not a marriage. And it was, we had good moments. I don't want to be like completely... Sure belittle it. I mean, I think we probably had typical, a typical marriage, right. sadly. Listen, but I, you were, a, you were living in a situation or surviving through a situation yes. where it wasn't, uh, I don't want to say unbearable because I feel like that minimizes it, but you were going through each day. Yes. And didn't have a partnership, weren't yeah. living as one, were, it, it, we were surviving, not thriving yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, no, so we, we totally reached that crossroads, and um, it was one of those those moments of, uh, okay, well, um, things are either going to change or we're going our own direction separately. Sure. And I very much was definitely filled with the Holy Spirit during that whole night, and he even, my husband even, was like, okay, what has changed in you? You're different. Mm-hmm. And I was able to share what had happened the day before. And he, um, he just told me, I want that. I want what you have. Yeah. How do I do it? How amazing to be able to, to so quickly come to that. In yeah. the sense of, I think those of us who had conversion stories or, you know, like I came to be a Christian in high school, and it was a nice thing that I chose and was able to build out from, but it wasn't, I wouldn't say like people would see me tomorrow and be like, what, how you're different. And that to be able to have somebody so intimately know you're yeah. changed and God really has penetrated your life and yeah. given you a different spirit and changed your heart and your mind in a way that you could be receptive to hard news about your dad, mm-hmm. to uh, a difficult situation within your marriage that you can come at it in a way with grace and mercy in mm-hmm. a way that 
wouldn't have been possible yeah. two days ago because I didn't I didn't have that well to dip from. Exactly. Exactly. It, it you said it perfectly. Mm-hmm. I was a hundred percent different. Mm-hmm. I had been made new and I had I had the ability to offer grace, yeah. which couldn't before yeah, and didn't it before. Been, yeah. <laughs> Those, uh, yeah, people that knew me were like, oh, it's just a little hard. Yeah. Well, and I would say too, like, I don't know that I would have the ability to do that now. It's only because of the great, because I have God's yes. well to dip from exactly. that I can do that. I can't from my own strength. Right. Like, it's not yeah. of me. Right. My human reaction is not to yeah. give people grace. So was it easy for him to accept Christ? He's like, he wants that, but yeah. to make that shift for him... Yeah. So he actually got down on his knees when I, mm. when I was able to share what I had done and he, he surrendered himself and he gave up tons of pride that he had been carrying around sure. and just let it all go. And, um, no, he was hundred percent different from that moment too. Yeah. It, we both did a 180, like yeah. overnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a community at that point? Like, were you, no, because you weren't going to a church consistently at this point. No. So what? What's the next steps? Like, are you eager to figure that part out? Were you just like, okay, let's just sit in this for a bit and no, still there keep were, it to we us? No, we were running. We were, we were running. running. <laughs> <laughs> no, one of my oldest friends from elementary school, she had become a believer as an adult, and I knew that. For sure. And um, I reached out to her. The next morning, and I was like, "Hey, so here's the deal." <laughs> <laughs> and we started going to church with them for a short time. Sure. And then we found our own church, and um, yeah, no, we we found our community. Um, we met. At, we we started um, going to divine marriage to marriage coaching because right. we needed some help. We right. we didn't know we didn't have the tools how to make our marriage work. Yeah. I will say, I think this is one of the biggest misconceptions in Christianity, or like, I, we just literally had this conversation with our son the other day. We can preach, as Christians, we can preach this, yep, once you accept Christ and you just pray to the Holy Spirit and God will just, there's almost a sense of like, he'll just fix it. And you're like, I think there's times when God, like this that you're talking about, he will change our hearts and, and change yes. our minds and give us these beautiful moments of grace and mercy. However... To sustain those things, God needs us to put in the work. And exactly. we need us to do those things to make that happen. So we were talking, our son was talking about praying for different things. And it's like, yes, I think the Holy Spirit can do those things for mm-hmm. us. However, if God's want, because he was talking about wanting to change some of his habits of things. And it's like, yes, the Holy Spirit can help you in that. But the Holy Spirit's not going to always do it right. for you. You need to pray for the motivation yep. and for the sustainability and for the drive and for the opportunities and for those pieces so that you can put in the work to make that happen for the Lord as well. And I just sometimes think we can sit in the, I'm just going to expect God to yeah. do it for me. So it's so inspiring and encouraging to hear you say, once you and your husband made that choice, it's like, okay, now let's go get the tools to make this sustain and let's yep. go figure out how to change or communicate better because obviously what we're doing wasn't working Yeah, and it's not just going to, now we're perfect people who can communicate well we need yep. to put in the the heavy lifting on the back end yeah yeah no we exactly right we knew we had to put in the hard work and we knew we both had a lot of changing to do yeah and um yeah so we went to marriage coaching and you know looked 
looked at the hard things, looked at ourselves, the hard things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's a humbling and very humbling experience. Yeah. Our very first session, he actually said the words divorce would be hard. Divorce would be easier than doing this, mm-hmm. which was really like, oh, okay. Did you have a direction like, yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. So, and luckily, um, the wonderful coaches, Michael and Heather were like, no, let's really walk through that. Do you really mean that? And cause I was at that point, like, well, fine, fine. If you think so. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But no, we we're so hard. blessed to have the divine marriage, which yes. those who, who aren't here in this Elk River, St. Michael area, there's a wonderful group of, and actually we know quite a few of them yeah. as personal friends, but that have this center called the divine marriage that where they offer marriage coaching. There's some also individual therapy and things like that as well. But just to come from a biblical perspective on marriage and couples and counseling, mm-hmm. I just feel like more and more I hear about people who have been blessed through that through the divine marriage yeah. and through what Jessica Rothmeyer started and things like that. Absolutely. So we're very lucky in our small community to have something like that. I know there's more things like that across the nation, but yeah. we're very lucky that we have something close enough and it's not like we have to go to the cities or right. you know, drive an hour and a half to get somewhere. So. Yep, absolutely. And just even you know, during that 11-year period where we knew things weren't going well, at different times we both brought up, well, let, let's do marriage counseling or let's do something. Let's try something. Sure. And we both had so much pride that we were, now nah, we're fine. We'll figure it out when the kids grow up and move out. And that was foolishness. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head the way he said that, that divorce would be easier. It's that sense of sometimes just leaving well enough alone, yeah. like just the ignorance is bliss feeling of like, yeah. just sustain this. Yeah. Facade that we've created yeah. rather than doing the hard work because that yeah. means I'm going to have to change change and be confronted with my yeah. pride and my selfishness and yeah. all those things. And yeah. um, Matthew and I, I know I've mentioned this a million times on the podcast, so I apologize to people who are sick but Matthew and I are uh, premarital coaches. Uh-huh. And it's been a very big blessing for us to be these coaches for these people who are getting married because I feel like it really continually like pokes us and like prods yes. us or like digs at us of like what we consistently need to work on or the things of like something will come up with a couple and we're like, oh, darn it, I thought we had that figured out. Like why is this causing us a problem now? You know, like that, it right. just is this constant. And I think what it is for us is the marriage is not a one and done. Like you, you no. just never... It's just never like, we're perfect and we never have to work at it. Like, it's just constantly, like I said, a moving target earlier, the best way I can describe it. Like, we're just constantly changing. And I think the beauty in marriage is when you can change together. Absolutely. And it's when you are not moving and evolving together that it becomes much more difficult. Yes. It is definitely a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think of what you said about your parents, like the beauty of being together for that long yeah. like you just really and I think about it all the time with my husband because we will do that thing where when we're with our families we'll our families are far enough apart that we have to stay with them for a while when we go to visit a family where we're there for a week and I always think about day three is when him and I will come mm. together in bed at night and also be like we're good right like you and I we are we like yeah. just when you're in a different space and you're living under somebody else's house again and you're under different like just expectations and rules also mm-hmm. it's like I feel like we need to always come back together and be like 
we're like, yeah. remember us, like we're good, right? Like there's yep. just this reconnection piece of like, right. Yeah. Not 12 year old you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Weird thing about in-laws, but also wonderful. That's yeah. The insight. But so I want to ask kind of a hard question. Okay. Can you tell me what you, what your impression, especially looking at back now, what do you think your kids know or remember of this season? Um, yeah, it is a tough question. So I have had that conversation with some of the kids and they, all of them saw a huge dramatic night and day difference in our marriage and in us as parents and individuals. And, um, they're very aware that in, in, well, how my son put it. Well, now all of a sudden you're religious. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, we're really following. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, I think how they view it. And, but it's, our family was broken. I mean, when a marriage is struggling, even if you can keep up the facade Mm -hmm. in the day to day, it affects every aspect and it did affect every aspect of every single one of our children. Um, and we've not had a lot of tough, deep conversations with our kids. They're, they're 10 years apart, all the kids. So right now I have a 15 year old all the way up to a 25 year old. It's different seasons. Um, they sometimes don't want to have deep conversations with mom and dad yeah, for sure. <laughs> more often yeah. than not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. And that, yeah. it's just an, in, it was a, it is an interesting view to think about because I imagine, especially you had shared earlier about being so, um, kind of that mother hen of like wanting to make yeah. sure everything was about your kids and yeah. things like that to then go back and reprocess as you were doing that and almost protecting them from anything yes. from feeling that. And then when there's a big shift, how, how that affects your household and things like that. One of the things that has come up a lot in parenting is sometimes we can do that as parents, that one or the other parent becomes kind of the main parent. Yeah. And then when that shifts to back to that kind of 50-50 mm-hmm. relationship, like all of a sudden how the kids respond to that and how they um, relate to other adults. We've noticed that with some of our um, other friends that – their kids struggle with sometimes male relationships yep. because the father wasn't a strong mm-hmm. leader in the home or vice versa. The mom was, you know, so they struggle yep. with female, um, like teachers or female mm-hmm. uh, leaders in the community. We have had just beautiful healing mm-hmm. and not even talked about healing. Just, yeah. I can see it as a mother yeah. and I'll give you a couple of examples. My oldest son a week before everything changed in our home, yeah. <laughs> he, him and I were driving and he had the conversation with me about how, um, he was really fearful that his dad and I were going to get divorced and how it would change his whole life. And he'd have to drop out of school. Keep in mind, he was a middle schooler yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought I had been hiding our problems much better than I had been. Um, but obviously it was something he was worried about. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, reassured him that, no, that's not going to happen. No, you're not. If, even if it did, don't drop out of school, you know. You can, you can stay in school, <laughs> you I can promise. Middle school. Yeah. Yep, you're going to want to finish that. Going to want to go into high school. Um, <clears throat> but obviously that's the space my kids were at. My youngest, 
didn't want anything to do with his father. Sure. And there was no reason. There was no abuse. There was, n- mm-hmm. there was nothing. It was just our home was so broken in ways that when we were in it, we just thought, oh, I don't even know why this is happening or what to do about it. But I would have to drive him everywhere or he would sob hysterically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was he was young. Yeah. Um, and then that went away really, really quickly after we reconnected and gave our yeah. lives to the Lord. Like the amount of healing in such a short amount of time in my home was really a miracle. Yeah, I, I think it, it's those subconscious things, like you said, that you didn't even know your kids, we're, our kids are very intuitive. They yeah. know things, yeah. they hear things. And sometimes, you know, like, I often tease my youngest that he can be a creeper. Like, you know, we'll find him on the steps where it's like, stop it, we see you creeping. Let's stop it. Like, right. Try to catch what's going on because he's a very, um, and maybe part of this is from the adoption too, like he just very is aware of what's going sure. on. He's very, like, absorbs everything that's going on around him. And so I've noticed that. And as he's aging up, I feel like we've been having to be more careful yeah, right. when, we're, when we're having conversations. But I think we just sometimes are naive to the fact that our kids are so yeah. intuitive and know and feel and are part of that. So yeah. what a blessing to see that quickly turn Absolutely. for your kids and to know that that healing can also trickle down for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, we we were very intentional even, even though there were really hard days during that you know, those 11 years where we probably wanted to really bash one another. Mm -hmm. We were very intentional not to do that to our, in front of our children, to our children, around our children. Um, because we didn't want, we wanted both of us to have healthy relationships with our kids and to have a healthy family. But like you said, they're very intuitive. They knew there was tension. They knew, (laughs) Yeah. uh, they knew Yeah. it wasn't good or healthy. Yeah. I think, um, one of the things Matthew and I've talked about a lot in our parenting style um, like I said earlier, we're very good about explaining things to our kids. Mm-hmm. We're very good about, we show affection in front of our kids. Yes. Actually, you know, that can turn into a joke of like, yeah, yeah. Thing, <laughs> right. But one thing that we've never been very good about and we've been trying, um, to do better is also disagree and healthily fight yes. in front of our kids. Because yes. I don't think we model that enough. No. We will tend to shut it down yep. and then take care of it out of sight. Cause we don't, cause I think we were just taught to not fight exactly. in front of our kids. Instead of having a disagreement about something and teaching them what that looks like. And so, love advice. Yeah. <laughs> I know how to do that well. I think we try with the little things like the little bickering. But when there's big things, we mm-hmm. still haven't involved the kids in some of that stuff yet. But we'll have to continue to yeah. think of through that, what that looks like. Because I, I want my kids to be able to have healthy disagreements. Absolutely. And... Uh, stand up for themselves and respect others and you know all those pieces that fall into that and to serve others and yeah yeah I don't know what that how that all plays out and in my head when I say it out loud every time it's like yeah yeah we're working on that I don't know that anything's changed (laughs) I I don't know that we found the right strategy yet or Maybe just the little things we're doing does help, but yeah, kind of something we're thinking about. And so I'm sure you're balancing that. Yeah, too. for sure. For sure. And especially as they get older, like this morning, for example, my 23 year old was in the kitchen while my husband and I were kind of talking through some different things and some emotions on my end and mm-hmm. my feeling overwhelmed. And I was asking him to help out a little bit more. And she was right there, not only listening to the conversation, but in the conversation and sure. watching us model healthy 
boundaries and communication. And I, I just, after she left, I kind of just smiled and like, yeah. <laughs> There's moments where you're like, I'm a good parent. (laughs) It's okay to celebrate that. I think sometimes we can, I I feel like, oh, that makes me sound so um, prideful or whatever. But sometimes it's like you are doing a good job. We need to recognize that and keep keep working hard at doing the right things that way and to not be afraid of, yeah. Yeah, because it's hard. Parenting is hard. It is hard. And I I remember, because I remember somebody gave us the parenting advice. I think the big one everybody gives is like, make sure you say sorry to your kids. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I feel like we've always been really good about that. I feel like we've, we've modeled that well. We've like, um, I have a tendency, I have a, a little bit of an anger thing where I, I can flat handle pretty quick, um, with my kids and things like that. So I feel like they know that mm-hmm. and they know I apologize for that. All the time. <laughs> right? So now it's, I need to get better about actually stepping through the first part of not getting to that point right. and express, um, exhibiting more peace and patience and things like that of the fruits of the spirit versus... Yes being apologetic because <laughs> I am always apologetic yeah. <laughs> and I need to get to the other side of that. But I think those are the things like moving beyond that, what else as a parent I we can do better, which is always, there's a million right. things I could do better as a parent and as a wife and as a friend and as a daughter and all those things. But to also give yourself the grace to go, but I am doing a couple things yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And even in the things we're doing wrong, mm-hmm. we're teaching them. We're teaching them, you know what, human. Yeah. Well, I always joke, no matter what we do, at some point, they'll come back to us in their 30s and go, well, do you remember you used to do this? And this is the word. And you'll be like, I don't even remember doing yeah. that. Was it that bad? Yeah. Because I'm sure my parents say the same thing. Yeah. When I say, well, this is how I felt. Yeah. Like, I didn't do that on purpose. I know they didn't. I yep. 100% know. My parents did the best that they could with what they had in the situation yep, that they exactly. were going through. They were, we were very loved as kids. Yep. Nothing, nobody, you know, like nothing was ever done intentionally. But we can also learn and grow. And also, yep. I think the other thing is the personality types. We've been yes. talking about this so much more about the type of people we are and the kind of intuitive gifts that God gives us or the personality styles in which we communicate and love and love languages, all those pieces that kind of make us who we are. Yep. Also refining some of those are like, I try to do that with our kids of like, I know this one's a gift, yep. this one's a quality time and this one's a, or whatever. And so that makes a difference to like huge to difference. hit them and that their love language that yes. way too. So, yes. And it, it kind of, again, goes back to like the struggle with marriage too. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what's going on in my head. Yeah. So my, ch- I can't expect my children. So yeah, that's one of the big things I'm working on is explaining the why, not just the, I'm your mom. Yeah. Do it. Because I said so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put you in this world, I'll dig you up. Yeah. Like, that was like right? very much how my parents, like, bless their hearts. But, um, well, thank you for sharing about that part. I know that yeah. was not a super woo part of the conversation. So, um, before we wrap up, I would like you to think about or share if you knew somebody that was going through a similar situation, yeah. or because I don't like saying if you go back and change things, because that's not, I don't think, as valuable. If you knew you had a younger sibling in this situation mm-hmm. or one of your children was kind of going through yeah. something similar. What would you advise? What would you pray for? What would you lean in with them? Yeah. I, I think my biggest advice would be don't isolate. Mm-hmm. It's so, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. It's so common to struggle in marriage and it feels so isolating and it feels like a failure and it feels like you're the only one who is struggling. And the truth is, everyone is and yeah. the struggles may yeah. be different or they may be the same yeah like nobody's no yeah 
Nobody's perfect in that way. I don't know anybody who has a great marriage. Nope. Do you think that's hard to not isolate because there can seem like a disrespect or a I am not being faithful to my partner by sharing this? Or do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, for I'm, sure. I'm scared to go to my me and my parents. I wouldn't be so scared, but like I can't go tell my girlfriends about this right. or somebody at church because my spouse is gonna feel disrespected or hurt. I think you have to use discretion and discernment with who you're talking to. That's good. Um, and if it turns into just a spouse bashing session, yeah. you probably should choose somebody else to talk to yeah, and confide yeah. in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think that's something that both sexes struggle with. Mm, I sure. think men can fall into that just as easy as women, and that's not productive. That's not helpful. Um, you know, I... I definitely, we've found our community and we definitely lean on our community. Um, so uh, yeah, that would be my advice is be careful who you confide in and make sure they're going to keep it confidential yeah. and give you good advice and listen and not just bash your spouse. Yeah. I think that's great advice. I feel like I could get on a soapbox about, I really don't like our cultural, um, attitudes of it's a bonding thing to bash your spouse yeah, and a friend no. or it's a bonding thing for me and a girlfriend to sit and talk about our sex lives or things like that mm -hmm. where there's a point of there's value in sharing things with somebody like you said in confidence mm -hmm. and things like that but there's also um, a lack of intimacy with my partner if I'm going out and sharing that right. or putting that on blast for other people I, I don't like that our culture is very like no, like let's sit yeah. and have margaritas and chips and salsa <laughs> right. and, and bash our husbands. And that's now something that's a value to our friendship or to, that's right. going to make me feel better about my marriage. I don't, I, yeah, I, I can't get behind that one. That's yeah. a hard one for me. I feel like that is, that's not a safe and, and it really can be a slippery slope. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a fine line because we do need to, sometimes have somebody with an outside perspective yes, for sure. help us process and help mm -hmm. us through different things, but it can very easily and kind of in the moment feel good of a, yeah, I was wronged. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was. I'll tell you what else. Blah, 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 blah. Or like, I'm not going to tell you anything yeah. I was doing to contribute, no, no, but... <laughs> I'm but that's where it can be. I don't know why we, and I think we just, I think that's what sin is. is, is yeah. We love company and we yeah. want the you know, validation. And I think as friends, we often do the thing where we're like, yeah, no, tell me more. You want yes. the gossip or you want to seem, um, I, and I know I've, I've had friends where we've had those moments and it's like, I also want to seem super supportive. Yeah. So tell me more. And yeah. yeah, no, he sucks. And you're like, that's not helping. <laughs> that's not helping. <laughs> like, what am I doing? But, yeah. And later you're like, Ugh. or I, I know specifically at the beginning of my marriage, there were times that I would go out with friends and then I would come back and then Matthew and I'd be talking about something and then all of a sudden I'd, I would let something slip that I'd said and he'd yeah. be really mad at yes. me. Like, like, and just like hurt that that would be a conversation topic. And I was like, yeah. I wasn't understanding that this is intimacy with him and I. Yeah. This is a, a sacred space. And that yeah. was, and I was like, oh, so I had to reframe that a lot yeah. in my own. And I made a lot of mistakes that way with, with friendships and um, and then the other big thing, I have a tendency to be a little bit, um, I don't know how to say this right, but I'm a mirror person, like I'm or empathetic or like I'll take on what you're sure. feeling. Yep. And so I would bring that home and he has literally been like, okay, I know they're struggling and 
that is a it's something your friend is dealing with, mm-hmm. but that's not us. And yeah. That's not how I feel towards you, or that's not what. And it was really hard for me yeah. to disconnect from that, and I don't know why I struggle in that, and I had to learn about that a lot. But that feeling of just not um, projecting onto that. Absolutely, that's yeah. a real struggle too. So don't isolate. I think that's yep. great, great advice. So yep. what's going to be the future. What do you guys, what do you anticipate is going to happen now? You're going to be empty nesters in the yeah. next couple of years. And... Uh, <laughs> we're trying to finish strong. Yeah. We've got two in high school right now. Um, it's just, it's a fun shift. Honestly, it's just really, I'm so excited about the future and, and the right now too. Um, enjoying having this new relationship with adult children and really being able to see who they are, the choices they're making, the life that they're starting. Um, so I'm just really grateful that I get to share it with my husband. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know, the next 10 years are going to be really fun. Yeah. I love, and beyond. <laughs> yeah. I love that perspective, too, because I think there's a lot of people that fear empty nest and mm-hmm. fear, am I going to know my spouse after right. when we're not parents? And right. And not parents parenting shifts and you become grandparents and you become, you know, like you said, more friends with your Mm -hmm. kids in a different way. But am I going to have, as that relationship shifts with my spouse, are we going to survive that? And just to hear you talk about just being so excited to be in that space and to continue to grow. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. We, for sure, were, at least I was, I was fearful. I thought, well, I don't, I don't know who I am without being a mom and I certainly don't know if I even like my spouse (laughs) so I'm really glad that we um we're in a spot now where we like each other and we have a future yeah well I love that and thank you so much for coming and sharing I know some of that conversation was not easy and not always you know when we look back on some of the things that gosh I wish I could have done better or I'm sad that we had to go through that however to see you on this side of it great and really thankful you came and shared well thank you thank you for having me yeah you did a great job i want to say thank you one more time to my friend brenda for coming and sharing about such a vulnerable time in her life Um, i really appreciate your authenticity and just gentle spirit and i really enjoyed our time together I also want to say thank you as a listener for tuning in for season two. It's been a wonderful season with so many wonderful people sharing about the hard, difficult situations in their life or some of the amazing ways that they're helping their communities. I hope you enjoyed each and every episode. And especially during this time, I wish you all the most wonderful holiday season. And we'll be back hopefully at the end of January for season three of the Recourse Podcast. Until then, have a wonderful holiday.